It's time for Forward Nation Radio. Now here he is, the host of Forward Nation Radio, David Leventhal. Donald Trump purges his pollsters after the leaking of dismal results of polls that Donald Trump told us do not exist. What's next? Asserting executive privilege with respect to every presidential poll done in America? Welcome to Forward Nation Radio. I'm David Leventhal. Thank you for joining us on today's show, an examination of some of the recent news and how it indicates what's really at stake in the 2020 election. Let's start with, right in, this is nearing the end of Pride Month. And as I've mentioned to my students this week and last couple of weeks, as CUNY does its own Pride uh, celebrations, this is an area where this country and the world, in fact, could take great pride in how far we have moved in the right direction. Look at my students and say, you don't know what it was like years ago. As I look around this room, it's hard to imagine that any of you have any discrimination against gay people. Tremendous movement in the right direction. Movement by this country, but of course, movement that is at threat, under threat, if the President of the United States is re-elected. To celebrate Pride Month, Donald Trump ordered that no celebration or no commemoration of Pride Month even be apparent within the administration or in our foreign embassies, consulates, and offices. For the first time in history, ordering that the pride flag not be shown at any government buildings overseas. An order which, I am happy to report, has routinely been flouted by U.S. government buildings around the world. Also, remember last week or the week before I talked about Donald Trump's secret deal with Mexico to hide the fact that he completely capitulated in his war with Mexico, trade war, pending trade war with Mexico. He waved around a paper and said, ah, we have a secret deal. Well, I ridiculed that whole concept a week or two ago. And this week we learned from Mexico, which released the actual paper that Donald Trump was floating around, that in fact, surprise to nobody, There is no secret deal with Mexico. Donald Trump just capitulated. I briefly mentioned last week how this reeked of McCarthyism, and I think that warrants a little bit further discussion for some of my younger listeners. McCarthyism, named for Senator Joseph McCarthy of the 1950s, what I assume Donald Trump refers to as the good old days, was a red baiter and was really indicative of one of the lowest points in U.S. government history. A U.S. senator willing to cast aspersions and smears against anyone he disagreed with, with no evidence. And thus, the term has entered our vocabulary, McCarthyism, which is basically telling a truth of, telling a raft of unsupported lies to support uh, undermining your political and weakening and attacking your political opponents. As I noted, Donald Trump is clearly the ideological uh, successor to Joseph McCarthy, doing the same thing on issue after issue, screaming what what a threat there is without A, there being a threat, or B, him having ev- any evidence whatsoever to support what we're saying. As I briefly noted, 
McCarthy's enabler, fixer, consigliere, and lawyer was Roy Cohn, someone who Donald Trump has long referred to as his hero and his mentor. We've seen this week what a difference politics can make and what a difference the two parties represent in our society. And I want to talk a little bit about what's happened in New York State since the Democrats took over both houses of the legislature. It has been a remarkable session, one that has been completely underreported because, well, it's too complicated, I guess, to report on these things, when we could throw vicious labels around instead or report on Trump's idiotic tweet of the week. As was noted in the New York Times and elsewhere, a very successful term in the New York State Senate finished with a flourish. And here are some of the things that have come out of the New York State legislature because of the fact that it is now firmly in Democratic hands. First and most recently, one of the most ambitious climate plans in the world. A plan to make New York State carbon neutral by 2050. Demonstrating one party's willingness to not only concede the existence of the greatest threat confronting humanity at this point in time, but its willingness to actually try to do something about it. Also, the New York legislature rewrote New York City rent laws, giving the strongest tenant protections in decades. What is the meaning of that? Well, what, whatever one thinks about the rights of tenants versus landlords, you have to understand that in New York State, wealthy real estate titans, the landlord industry, represented by none other than people like Donald Trump, has wielded incredible power in the New York State government and has managed to forestall any efforts to rein it in and level the playing field between those who have all the property and those in, the, in New York and New York City and New York State who actually want to live in that property. Let's see. Uh, New York State voted for driver's licenses for undocumented immigrants. Now, again, whatever one thinks about the wisdom of giving undocumented immigrants driver's license, understand that undocumented immigrants have been shown to be driving because they have to drive because they're a crucial part of our economy and driving is often necessary. By allowing them to get driver's licenses, you actually allow more accountability and responsibility and make New Yorkers safer. New York passed strict anti-sexual harassment laws. They held the first hearings on sexual harassment in 30 years and passed laws to protect the rights of women, primarily, in workplaces across the state. They enacted new rights for voters, including, finally, way too late, early voting in New York State to enable poor people who don't get the day off and don't want to wait on lines to vote for hours the, the actual opportunity to be heard. They voted for new rights for immigrants and victims of violence. Criminal justice reform to make our criminal justice system fairer and less ridiculously harsh. Understanding, of course, that one of the reasons that across this country our criminal justice system is as harsh as it is, is because it's designed to prevent minorities, black people, from voting. They have enacted campaign finance reform to try to limit the extraordinary power of the wealthy to bend the rules of government and the rules of society in their favor. 
new gun control laws may be inspired by numerous deaths of schoolchildren across the country. The New York legislature, firmly in Democratic hands, passed bans on plastic bags, toxic, toxic toys. That's right. Toxic toy, a toxic toy ban was something we actually had to do in this country. Those of you buying toys for your children, your nieces, your nephews, your friends. And we've placed limits and banned offshore drilling, a technology that we cannot afford, cannot live with, and is truly a product of the prior century. They've passed new rights for gays in honor of Pride Month, and they have, for the first time in New York, this will shock you, banned gay conversion therapy. That's right, completely discredited so-called therapy to turn gays heterosexual. And maybe most politically relevant, they have passed law allowing Congress access to President Trump's state tax returns and allowed state prosecutors to charge people even if they had been granted a presidential pardon for similar federal crimes. New York State Legislature passing bill after bill to promote the interests of normal New York State residents as opposed to the special interests that have been funding our government for decades. How did Republicans respond to this call for a more democratic and just society? Why, name-calling, of course. How do Republicans respond to everything? They don't have anything to actually argue, so they throw out names. Republicans, in particular, referred to the Democratic majority as socialists in a real foreshadowing of the 2020 campaigns all across this country. Here are the words of John J. Flanagan, the Long Island Republican who serves as a minority leader of the New York State Senate. These are the priorities of the extreme socialist wing of the Democratic Party. And he also said, they're certainly not the priorities of the hardworking, middle-class taxpayers and their families who are being ignored right now. We underscore the theme here of A, the exact opposite of what's happening is what Republicans will run on. Just say the opposite of what's true, that's fine. But also, once again, indicating the politics of resentment and aggrievement, which is the Republican voter right now. Not hardworking. Of course, the immigrants who who have benefited from some of these laws are the hardest working people in this country. Not the priorities of middle-class taxpayers. They are specifically crafted to promote the interests of middle-class taxpayers as opposed to the wealthy. And their families who are being ignored right now, well, again, let's be clear. Republicans have owned this federal government for years. If they're being ignored, guess who they're being ignored by? Less benignly, what's happening in New York State right now is really an example of how polarized Howard states have become. We were reminded as this was going on that the New York State legislature being controlled by one political party, in this case the Democrats, is now representative of 49 of the U.S. states. I believe only Minnesota right now is a U.S. state with a divided legislature. And what that means is is that this country continues to drift further and further apart state by state. Some states will be moving in the right direction to protect their citizens, Some states, because of gerrymandering and the impact of money in our politics, 
will be completely owned by the other political party representing the fabulously wealthy. If you live in a state such as New York, you might be protected. God help you if you choose to venture out of New York and, let's say, take your family on a trip to Disney World. While all this was going on in the New York State Legislature was evidencing how Democrats will look to the future and try to implement laws that will put this country on firmer footing as we go further, as we go into the future, Donald Trump was busy relaxing limits on coal emissions. Because after all, what this country needs to go back to the future is more dirty coal burning up and destroying our environment and our planet. Speaking of divided, Iran. It looks like we, for now, have, at least in the short term, averted a war with Iran. However, our, our war of words against Iran continues to escalate. And why not? Because everything from this administration is about escalation. Look at what Iran has done with U.S. provocation just in the last week or so, setting fire to oil tankers, shooting down a U.S. unmanned drone, killing a journalist for the Washington Oh, I'm sorry, wait, that wasn't Iran. That was, that was our ally, Saudi Arabia. So forget the killing journalist thing. But all those other things, Iran is really a bad actor. And gosh, war just seems almost inevitable. Yes, this week an unmanned U.S. drone was shot down, and as a result, our warmongers in our government, led by National Security Advisor John Bolton, all of whose friends, it turns out, were on board that unmanned drone when it was shot down, continue to push for war with Iran. And we had the spectacle this week of Donald Trump being the one who showed level-headedness and avoided the war that his advisors were clamoring for. It wasn't this, well, his advisors, his national security advisor, secretary of state, I want to be clear, his secretary of defense was not clamoring for war. And that is obviously because we have no secretary of defense, at least none that's actually been approved by Congress and put into office. We have heard this week about the Acting Secretary of Defense, Patrick Shanahan, now being out of the running to succeed himself in the full position. Turns out that Patrick Shanahan, our Acting Defense Secretary, needs to take some time off to provide some defense for his family, which tends to be beating on each other over the years. Yes, we are told that he backed out of the running to spare his son and his wife, who've been accused of sexual assault within the family. But just now, word is starting to trickle out that maybe Shanahan has some accusations against him and himself in that regard as well. Gee, hard to imagine that this guy wasn't just standing up for his family, who is already out in the news for what they've done. But anyway, the Secretary of Defense, who really doesn't exist, wasn't pushing for war, but just about everybody else in the administration was. And Donald Trump took us from the brink. And let's talk for a couple of moments about what is wrong with this fucking picture. That Donald Trump is the voice of reason. And when we talk about what is wrong with this picture, we're not primarily talking about the fact that 
The decision as to whether or not we go to war with Iran was apparently made by Tucker Carlson, Fox News host, who seemed to have called off the strike that was planned by our by our war hawks. Seems to have called it off. Donald Trump turning on Fox News and deciding how the country should be run took his cue from Tucker Carlson, who argued, by the way, that we shouldn't be striking Iran, not because of what it might lead to, other than, and here are the words that clearly rang, rang important to the President of the United States, Tucker Carlson said that Donald Trump's re-election was at stake. The fact that hundreds, thousands, ultimately millions could be at stake if we go to war with Iran, well, that might matter somewhat to our president, but his re-election certainly matters a hell of a lot more. And so Tucker really knew how to, how to foment U.S. policy on this one. But that's not even the worst of this. The worst of this is that Trump had to be the babysitter. How far we've come from the days where we all got to sigh a little bit of a sigh of relief that there were adults. Remember this? The babysitters in our administration who were going to tackle Donald Trump literally had a plan to tackle the president of the United States if he went to launch nuclear weapons. Well, as I've noted several times on this show, those babysitters are long gone, having been replaced by people who need to be babysat by the baby. How scary is this that Donald Trump has to now be the voice of reason in his administration? I could see Donald Trump's re-election campaign already as he talks about the best of the best that he promised us, bringing only the best people to fill our government. Will Donald Trump now, is his election strategy in 2020 to run against his own best of the best? I could see it now. Uh, the only thing standing between you and these people whom I have put in charge of our government is me. I am the only thing protecting you from the people I have chosen to protect you. Sounds like a hell of a 2020 campaign slogan. And God help us all that we have the baby running this country. And lastly, speaking of the 2020 election, Donald Trump, you might have heard this week, kicked off his 2020 presidential campaign. Now, those of you who said, wait, how could he kick off his presidential campaign? He started his 2020 presidential campaign before he was inaugurated in 2017. Well, that's what you get if you try to apply facts and reason to the Trump administration. So let's just not go there. Yes, Donald Trump kicked off his new 2020 presidential campaign with the same old shit. Absolutely nothing new. As noted before, Donald Trump sold resentment and aggrievement. The same thing he was selling in 2016 only now, of course, he's been the run, one running the country for two and a half years. Won't matter. Resentment and aggrievement for all the forces that aren't running this country and how they're preventing Donald Trump from doing well. Resentment and aggrievement? Did you notice that the Proud Boys, among others, white fascists 
and white supremacists and neo-Nazis showed up proudly to Donald Trump's 2020 kickoff campaign because, after all, nobody has more resentment and aggrievement than white guys and the people who've climbed out from under their rocks since Donald Trump became the president. But, gosh darn it, this election should not just be about those aggrieved and unfortunate people who had the great misfortune to be born white in America. No, let's not make this about them. Donald Trump is bigger than that. And by bigger than that, I mean, well, much smaller than that. Because this really isn't about the aggrievement of white guys nationwide. It's really about the aggrievement of one poor, rich, white guy, Donald Trump. And his kickoff was, basically, if I can translate, poor me, I have it so rough. Yes, that's going to be the 2020 campaign. Can somebody not stand up and fight for the poor Donald? As was noted, talking about how the campaign rally went, Mr. Trump mocked and disparaged Democrats, calling them the leaders of an angry left-wing mob, this from the New York Times, and declaring that the 2020 election will be a verdict on the un-American conduct of those who tried to undermine our great democracy, undermine you. Let's just pause for a moment to, to let that run reverberate around your brain, and then we'll talk about it for a moment. First of all, angry left-wing mob. He says as he continues to stoke up his angry base, who is still screaming, lock her up, lock her up, lock her up. He was talking about the angry left-wing mob as the Proud Boys and other neo-fascists were celebrating and mobbing outside. Uh, Verdict on the un-American conduct? Do I have to point out that this is the president who became president because of the interference of a hostile foreign power? Well, you know, hostile to America, not hostile to the Donald, which is all that matters. He became president only because of the election interference of Russia, which he has done absolutely nothing to curb for 2020. He is now busy, as he has been since he took office, attacking U.S. intelligence agencies and U.S. government officials. And the bureaucrats and technocrats who've been running our country for generations. But he can accuse the other side of un-American conduct tried to undermine our great democracy, undermine you? This from the man and the political party that continues to deny voting rights, that knows the only path to election for Trump and the Republicans is to make sure that the wrong Americans do not vote in 2020. The man who just last week basically solicited Continuing aid from hostile foreign powers, probably figuring that Russian aid wouldn't be enough in 2020, based on the reports of his pollsters, that maybe he needs to reach out for more hostile powers to interfere with our election. A Republican Party who, as I've noted ad nauseum on this show, has the goal everywhere in our society and everything they do to permanently install minority rule. 
through denying voting rights, through gerrymandering, through locking up voting districts, through campaign funding, and by filling our courts. I just have to say this almost every show. By filling our courts with right-wing apparatchiks. Because after all, Republicans have lost six out of the last seven Democratic presidential elections. It would be comical if it weren't potentially the end of this country. But let's just not talk about how ridiculous Trump's words were, how counterfactual they were, and how obviously against what's actually going on in this country. Let's focus on something that we're not going to be able to focus on for long because Donald Trump will make sure we change the subject. And that is, Donald Trump is angering and inciting the worst people in this country, the most resentful, aggrieved, angry, nasty, violent people in this country. And when they inevitably turn to violence, maybe sending some more bombs to Democratic leaders, Donald Trump will look innocent and say, How dare anybody say that I had anything to do with this? The President of the United States, in addition to asking for the interference of hostile powers and giving him another another presidential term, is actually trying to incite violence against his political opponents. Let's be clear on that. This rally, more than anything else, was about inciting political violence against his opponents, or as Donald Trump would put it, his enemies. Because Trump voters are dangerous. Republican voters are dangerous at this point. That's what ignorance does. But, at least for Trump, they are great voters. They are the best voters to have on your side because he will never lose these people. He will never lose their votes. Because when you are this angry and you have said and done the hostile things that you have done, You have lost the ability to ever admit that you were wrong or change your mind. These people are perfect for Donald Trump because reality will never enter into their thinking. I'd like to talk about a couple of these people right now. I was listening to a report on NPR the other day, and they were interviewing a couple of Trump supporters at his rally. And uh, the supporters, to the extent I can remember their name, I was in the car, so I didn't get to write it down. But I believe that the people they interviewed were a woman by the name of Melissa McKenzie, and a guy by the name of Joe Shodak. And I think it's only fair to use their names because people who work this hard to debase themselves in in the public sphere really need to have their names disseminated so they could revel in their own debasement. It is remarkable listening to these two fucking morons speak how spectacularly stupid they are. It is Amazing, first of all, how at one point they said, why do you like Trump? Well, we've also read reports this week about the Republican talking points leading up to the 2020 election. And if you want to know what those talking points are, just take a look at what Ms. McKenzie said are the reasons that she supports Donald Trump. It was lifted directly off of the Republican playbook, undoubtedly repeated verbatim from Fox News, which will continue to air these talking points. That will give me an opportunity to talk about the term stupid. I had a conversation with people who listen to the show and like to talk about politics a few weeks ago about my use of the word stupid. And I'd like to clarify a little bit 
what I mean when I, when I use the term. And I think that there are basically two kinds of stupid in this country and the world. One of which is people who simply lack the brain power for whatever reason to disseminate new information and engage in real complex reasoning and make good decisions. I would like to believe, being the eternal optimist that I am, that this kind of stupid really isn't very common. I really don't think there are many people who fall into this category. So I understand that that's the common definition of stupid, people who lack the mental ability. But we don't really advance our discussions very much if we refer to people like this, because I think they're just a very small minority of this country. And I have a lot of sympathy for them. And like all liberals, I support policies to help people who sometimes lack the ability to help themselves. That's not who I tend to talk about when I refer to stupid people. The worst kind of stupid people are people who have the ability to make complex decisions and choose not to do so. People who are willfully ignorant and allow themselves to repeatedly make the wrong decisions and thereby hurt other people. I think I mentioned a long time ago on this show, my favorite definition of this kind of stupid was, was given with respect to former President George W. Bush, boy George, the younger Bush, the really stupid Bush. And someone pointed out that people are referring to George W. Bush as stupid, but other people are saying he's not stupid, he's just uninformed. He's just ignorant. And some writer, and I'm sorry, I forget who it was, because he deserves or she deserves a shout out for this. But some writer wrote, if you are in your 60s, and by implication, you are the president of the United States, and you remain this ignorant, you are stupid. And this is what I think of as the worst kind of stupid. And when I am angry about stupid voters, this is the stupid I am referring to. People who have the ability to make good decisions when it comes to running this country, but simply choose not to, or choose not to burden themselves with the few minutes it would take to get the kind of information they need to make good decisions. Some of my colleagues, perhaps, at Queens College, people I teach with, I'm willing to accept that if you work in, a, in an educational capacity at a public university, you probably, I'm going to give them, some of them the benefit of the doubt here, you probably do not lack the mental faculties necessary to make decent decisions. But some of them, who I will not name, have clearly decided not to make any effort whatsoever to be informed enough to make decent decisions. And that is something we should not be tolerating. I say to my students all the time, when I get angry and talk about the stupid American voter, I am not referring to you. Society has let you down by telling you your whole life, I think for selfish reasons, but for telling you your whole life, you don't need to be informed, you shouldn't talk about politics, don't read a newspaper. But now you're an adult, and you have to see what's going on in this country, especially if you're going to sit through my class. And now you've got a choice to make. You're either going to be part of the solution, and that requires effort, or you are going to forever remain part of the problem. One of my students in class this summer seems like a lovely young lady in response to, to some question that I had asked, referred to never again. She is Jewish, I'm Jewish, and she talked about, I think I'd asked what's, what words are posted in every Holocaust museum in the world. She said, never again. I said, yeah, so those are words that are posted pretty much in every Holocaust museum in the world, and, and, and words that I hope every American grew up with. Certainly, American Jews have grown up with since the Holocaust. 
never again. Well, what does never again mean? Never again means you can't be this ignorant. Never again does not mean you support Israel no matter what Israel does and a Jew can do nothing wrong. That is not never again. That's childish. Never again means you will be informed enough to not be in the position that the German citizens were in the 1940s saying, well, I didn't know. Don't blame me. Because we've learned from World War II, from the Holocaust, from the inexplicable that happened there, we've learned to explain it. And we've learned to explain it by the fact of how remarkably ignorant people allowed themselves to be. And we need to not accept people who choose to remain this ignorant. We are reminded through all this when I talk about stupidity, when that woman at the Trump rally just repeats one after another Republican talking points that she's seen on, top, on Fox News. We see again the extraordinary role of media in telling us what to think. At least some of the media that many people in this country, i.e. Trump supporters, choose to avail themselves of. How incredibly powerful it is in promoting ignorance and bad decision-making. And that leads right before we go to a last thought on this subject. Joe Biden. It's now being bandied around. The big question is Joe Biden a racist. Some of the comments that he made regarding working with Republicans over time, including some of the worst segregationists and most awful people on the planet, seeming to take pride in that. Well, I'm not going to speak to the racial insensitivity of his comments. They're pretty awful. They are remarkably insensitive. From what I keep hearing, people don't think Joe Biden is a racist. But wake up at some point and understand how racists manage to win all the time. I'm going to focus on the other, uh, what I think is remarkably irresponsible and unacceptable part of what Biden said work with Republicans in the Senate and more work with Republicans across this country? Will Democrats never, ever learn their lesson? This is another reason to love Elizabeth Warren and her ilk, who say, after decades of Republicans refusing to do anything to work with Democratic presidents or Democrats on anything, how can we continue to run up because Lucy has promised us that she will hold the football and try to kick it? When do we not learn, or when do we learn, that the Republicans are not people who will be worked with? Where were you, Mr. Biden, during the Obama administration when the Republicans spent years just saying they will do anything they can to destroy this country just so the Democratic president gets blamed for it. And so the Democratic president can't take credit for things going well in this country. Where do you think are your Republican workmates on this one? Oh, wait, I know where you were during the Obama presidency. Apparently, sleeping through eight years as vice president, not noticing what was happening in this country under Mitch McConnell, Paul Ryan, and others before Donald Trump existed in the Republican conscience. This is why I have come around to the idea that Democrats can no longer nominate and can no longer promote centrism. Because it's the same thing 
election cycle after election cycle. Democrat, a Democrat gets elected vowing to work with the other side. And by the time two years into his presidency, his efforts to reach out, to effect broad compromise among the political parties, by the time two years into his presidency or her presidency, perhaps in the future, he realizes or she realizes that this isn't going to happen. It's too late. We've had two years of actually absolutely nothing happened. Happening, the voters have responded by putting Republicans into power in Congress and nothing happens during eight years of a Democratic presidency, at which point some Republican apparatchik extremist who's willing to burn down the House to get what he wants, and yes, he in this case, now goes in and continues to pull this country further to the right. Elect a Democrat and keep the country about where it is. And then eight years later, elect an even more extremist Republican who continues to move us to the right. And thus, we inexorably keep moving right and right and right in this country. We can't face Obama redux again. The left needs to start fighting back and playing of kind with Republicans. Anyway, that's today's show. Thank you for joining us. Please share our links with your friends and family members, and we look forward to seeing you next week. You've been listening to Forward Nation Radio with David Leventhal. 